0: The following podcast is brought to you by The Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Some surprise faces for me. I'm delighted to see all of you, but a couple of people particularly. Um, you know who you are. Um, so this isn't my usual saffron yellow uh, monk's chamber from that you've seen from COVID times. Um, this morning, well, this week I discovered that my uh, light clinical load was not because the person who makes our schedules was being kind, um, but because I had two days of vacation. Um, today and tomorrow that were not expected, not desired, not needed. And why would I wanna waste time when I don't need a vacation taking a vacation? Um, But too late, I had a vacation. So um, I have a bunch of writing to do. And I thought I will escape uh, to a nearby city where I don't know anybody and can just focus. And so I was totally in that zone rearranging my week from completely what I thought it was going to be into something completely different. Um, And was heading to the train this morning and got a little alert from Instagram saying that Village Zendo had tagged me. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's the ninth. So I hopped on the train and uh, pivoted quickly into um, Dharma talk mode. And so here I am in my hotel room, (laughs) um, which uh, Ryugin says is a very nice backdrop. Uh, the art is a little cheesy for me, but okay, um, it's well lit. Um, and that kind of pivoting, to some extent, is actually, I realized <laughs> while I was sitting, the reason I'm telling you this story, um, aside from demonstrating how adult I am these days, um, is that that kind of pivoting is relates in, to some extent to the talk I'm giving. And let's see if before it's over, whether I come back to that point or have completely forgotten. Um, So I wanted to talk about the case 43 from the Book of Serenity, Luoshan's arising and vanishing. So it goes like this, Um, Luoshan asked Yantu, when arising and vanishing go on unceasingly, what then? Yantu shouted and said, who's arising and vanishing is it? And of course there's a verse. Severing old entangling vines, opening up a fox lair. A leopard covers itself in fog to change its spots. A dragon rides the thunder to change its bones. Arising and vanishing in profusion. What is it? I love short koans. Um, So to explore this, um, I wanted to first give a little bit of um, expansion of the story, because uh, in uh, Thomas Cleary, may he rest in peace, he just passed away, I think, a couple of months ago. And all of us are so indebted to him for the translations he produced that have supported certainly my practice, but all of our practices, I think, in our lineage for for decades now. This is his translation of the accompanying commentary in the Book of Surrender. Luo Shan first asked Master Xishuang, when arising and vanishing go on unceasingly, what then? Xishuang said, you must be cold ashes a dead tree, one thought for 10,000 years, box and lid joining, pure and spotlessly clear. Woshan didn't get it. So he went to asked Yantu, which I kind of love to, um, I identify. Woshan uh, went and asked Yantu, our on. Yantu shouted and said, who's arising and vanishing is it? And at this, Woshan awakened. So that's the key little thing that's not in the koan. Because of this exchange, Wo Shan awakened. And then the commentary goes on, generally, Yantu Tu just esteemed clarity of insight. Shi Shuang set up a, quote, dead tree hall. He demanded that one personally arrive first. And, Yeah, I I read this. You must be cold ashes, a dead tree, one thought for 10,000 years, box and lid adjoining, pure and spotlessly clear. To me, that's a dead tree. I hear it. (laughs) They're all like signposts there. I have no idea what, okay, Um, but my work's cut out for me. And that introduces one of the themes that uh, we're going to touch on is this idea that our practice, our Zen practice, any practice to some extent, but in particular our Zen practice is sometimes wandering into a dead tree hall. And there's a, you bump into a trunk over here and you bump into a trunk over there, and only when you bump into it or maybe look behind you, you suddenly re- realize that it's a living tree, not a dead tree. Um, but Yantu, boom. Just pushes you over the cliff. Um, so that's the context for, I think, uh, this koan. Now, what is this vanishing, arising and vanishing? What is this that they're talking about? So in Buddhist cosmology, um, which derives not from philosophical insights. I mean, that it's elaborated upon by philosophy and philosophical debate and insights, and there are many different philosophical schools within Buddhism, um, but it's deriving from the direct experience of reality. And the direct experience of reality, we are told, um, indicates that space and time and mind itself is, in fact, not smooth, but made up of moments. The world arises and vanishing in each moment. Uh, If you're familiar with Dogen or if you were participating in the book, Zendo's book club last year, I was not, but their recommendation for a book leapt out at me and I read it. Um, Ruth Ozeki's A Tale for the Time Being. She touches on Dogen saying in the Shobogenzo um, that, um, people are not able to acquire the way seeking mind of spiritual awareness without deeply understanding that a day consists of, and this is Dogen's number, 6,400,099,180 moments. And she points out, I'm not sure if this comes from Dogen, I can't remember, that in the snap of a finger, there are 60 moments. So if you were to snap your finger, she talks about it if you snap your finger all day long, 60 moments each time passing by. So mind, space, time are uh, discrete and punctate. It's not smooth. And that this can be an actual experience. Uh, I haven't mentioned my mom in a Dharma talk in a really long time, those of you who, weren't here several years ago. (laughs) No, this was a routine practice of mine. Um, She had a long, slow last decade of her life in which she had, um, through probably some vascular atrophy in her brain, um, had uh, lost much of her short-term memory and lived in a sustained bliss state for many years. Um, And why this was blissful, I actually asked her at one point Many of you probably remember this story. Um, I said, and she was a very anxious woman when I was growing up. So to see her perpetually smiling was interesting. So I asked her about it and I said, you're, you're even smiling when you sleep now, how do you stay so happy? And she looked at me and said, well, I don't really worry about the future anymore and I can't remember the past. So all I have is the now. And when you live in the now, you're happy. (laughs) <laughs> and, I thought, and I sit on a cushion. How often? For how long? And, you know, all you need is a little ischemia. <laughs> but um, she, uh, I came into her apartment one day, and um, maybe Roshi will remember this. And because uh, I told her at the time, she was lying on her bed, but she was wide awake, staring at the ceiling not staring but like she was looking at something and I said what are you looking at and she said space I said oh what's that like and she said it's wonderful I never realized it's not and she said this it's not smooth it's more like chopping carrots (laughs) I was I, I was sort of taken aback and then she said and time too oh my goodness it's so beautiful same thing. I just wish you and Mark, you Mark and and, and the kids could see it like this. It's so wonderful. <laughs> and I thought of Dogan, so I ran home and I emailed Roshi and I said, "My mother just said this. Doesn't that sound like Dogan?" And she texted back. She wrote back, "Gate gate." <laughs> um, so there, <laughs> it can be a direct experience. Um. Another way of getting a hint of this, I'm gonna, I've I've referred to this stuff in Dharma Talks in the last year because it's been fascinating to me um, for a variety of reasons. Um, And I'm gonna ask you to try a little something. Um, So first, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and then listen carefully to the silence around you. Now, if it's hard to hear the silence, you can close your ears and listen. When I close my ears, I hear two pitches. There's a very low hum, and then a high-pitched, finely, it's almost like sandpaper, but very high and very soft. I'm not sure if everyone will experience that. If you do, notice, I mean, the the sound of sandpaper comes because it's particles. It's not smooth like silk. And even when silk moves past silk, it's not totally smooth either. You hear the threads, right? That's what the shh of the silk is. So sound is particulate. And if you close your eyes again and then look for the lights, and some of them will look like sort of smooth blobs, but if you look towards their edges or if it's mostly dark, if you peer into the darkness, you may also see that it's they're very, 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 very tiny points of light. There's a whole body of research now that shows that the human retina can see down to the quantum level. Uh, the human retina can see a single photon. And the fingers can feel um, down into the quantum level scale of size, um, hearing as well. So, all of these, all of our perceptions are in fact punctate too. And to some extent, these are also reflections of this notion of discontinuity, of arising and vanishing moment by moment by moment. In such tiny moments that it's to our normal perception, it's imperceivable. But when we slow the mind and focus in practice, for example, it becomes achievable. Um, There are Tibetan Buddhist practices that are actually based specifically on this to create greater focus. Um, And this gets us to the quantum physics side of things, which of course, you know, you knew I would go there, those of you who know me. Um, And this represents, uh, this lines up very well with this notion that the universe, space and time are not infinitely divisible. It is not smooth, as my mother said, it's actually um, in discrete units that are incredibly tiny. So the smallest unit of time is something like 10 to the minus 38 seconds very, 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 very tiny, <laughs> Make a photon, makes a photon look like a, a galaxy in size, but it's still discrete and it's not smooth. And what we know is that from quantum physics and this, there's general agreement across the physics world um, that space and time are discontinuous like this and represent an energy rich field which is giving rise, it's full of energy, and E equals mc squared, as we know from special relativity. So that energy turns into particles or strings or whatever the tiniest things are. And they're continually arising and usually in matter-antimatter pairings, and then they hit each other and then annihilate. And this is referred to as the quantum foam, which (laughs) I'm very fond of that phrase. And so the quantum physics, the contemporary physics view of existence is that same discontinuous coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. So in, in the first synchronicity of this talk, on the train down, after I had jotted down some notes for the Dharma talk, I suddenly remembered that I had to give, um, I was reading, part of the thing I have to write about is this. And um, so I had a reference book with me and Um, the part I happened to read on the train, quoted Richard Feynman talking about the quantum foam. And he said, this is a quote, I didn't make this up, and I didn't remember it until this morning, quote, creating and vanishing, creating and vanishing. What a waste of time. Close quote. (laughs) So there's something about what you know if that, if that's the world if that's our mind if those are our lives what's the implication of that you know in here we have what we talk about in terms of buddha in buddhism of impermanence the world completely ceases to exist it, and then comes back into existence in the next mind moment gone and back gone and back coming and going well when you're not continuous with the prior m- moment as sort of my adult understanding of my week schedule, you know, I was completely lost. I had no framework for this week once, you know, the rug got pulled out from under me. And this morning, when Instagram came in and hit me with that reminder, suddenly I was like, "Oh, Dharma talk!" And I just flipped into that. And it was a lovely train ride down and it came very easily because I think I wasn't hanging on to my plans because I had no plans. They were completely disrupted. Um, When we talk about freedom in Buddhism, I think part of what we're talking about is when you're experiencing the world arising and vanishing moment after moment, your mind arising and vanishing moment after moment. Well, what happens to the conditioning from the last moment to this one? if it's not continuous, there's freedom in there. It's a new moment. It's a new world. It's a new life. It's a new you. In every single moment. Time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. But there's always another moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. Then um, then there's a whole bunch of other commentary stuff I'm going to skip over. <laughs> um, one other story that relates to this, uh, similar, and I think it's useful just saying it, to hear it, to put another way in, your, in our minds of, of how to relate to this koan. There's another koan, also a student asking Yantu, uh, I can't pronounce it, Rui, R-U-I-Y-A-N him or her, I don't know. Asked Yantu, what is the fundamentally constant principle? Yantu said, moving. Ceaseless change, impermanence, it's the same thing. Moving. The student said, how is it when moving? Yantu said, you don't see the fundamentally uh, constant principle. The student stood there thinking. Yantu said, if you agree, you've not yet escaped the senses. If you don't agree, you're forever sunk in birth and death. And the student attained enlightenment. If you agree, you've not yet escaped the senses. So this is part of the issue. Uh, Shan has come in with this realization of the coming and going and coming and going, arising and vanishing of existence. That's some level of attainment. He's had some insight. Um, and yet... Yantu, not enough. You're not there. He's still perceiving it as I am having this awareness of arising and vanishing. The world is arising and vanishing. This is exactly how I've been talking about it for the last 20 minutes. Intellectual concepts, and even if it's an experiential thing, that we could perceive some aspect with the little game I played with you guys. Um, it's still, were any of us absent from that experience or were we all thinking I'm now experiencing what we're talking about? Your eye is still there. Um, so you're still stuck in the senses, you know, you're coming along, we're coming along. Um, but there's more, there's, there's lots more. And that sort of sense of, stages and of process and of the potential for progress and of discontinuity, Uh, you know, to me, like I said, there's freedom in that and there's, I think there's hope uh, in that for me at least. Um, Let's turn to the poem, because this I think is what really makes this clear in in a way that to me is very useful. I'll reread it uh severing old entangling vines no first actually i'm going to read you a little thing from another thing from the commentary so when the line comes you're prepared for it in the poem so in the commentary it mentions this story um according to the records of the extraordinary recounted by ren fang in the summer of the seventh year of the reign of emperor hui of the han dynasty Thunder shook the South Mountains, the woods blazed, and the earth was burnt to umber. Which this year is a particularly vivid image, right? And then, in another very vivid image, after a violent rain, they found dragon bones. So here's the verse. Severing old entangling vines, opening up a fox lair. A leopard covers itself in fog to change its spots. A dragon rides the thunder to change its bones.
1: Bah! Arising and vanishing in profusion. What is it?
0: We come into Zen practice, pushed there, chased there, pulled there for whatever Examples, experiences of suffering, stress, anxiety, anger, depression, um, avarice, <laughs> whatever. And we come into Zen practice, and what are we doing? The first stages of practice are all severing old, entangling vines. All those things we came into practice with, some of the first things that happen, and some of the last things <laughs> that happen. Is we're chopping at all those vines that have entangled us, that have made us think there's got to be a way out of this. There must be some way to find freedom freedom from suffering, freedom from anxiety, freedom from greed, hunger, et cetera. So that's the beginning is chopping away at these vines. And then if we're diligent sooner or later, the practice works. You know, this is what the Buddha said you don't believe me? Try it. Well, underneath all those entangling vines, what do you find? You open it up and there's the fox lair. The fox god in Japan is sort of the trickster god. You never know, is it gonna be malevolent or benevolent? And it's very active. And even when you get rid of all that stuff, there's your mind. And so now it's like, ooh, (laughs) impermanence, interdependence. Emptiness, ooh, 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 (laughs) and we're bouncing all over the place, and we're still, it's me having this thing, and I'm doing this stuff, and that's, you know, this is my experience of this for a very long time. (laughs) Um, And then, another thing opens, another line in the poem, of our lives. A leopard covers itself in fog to change its spots. So think of what it's like walking in fog. You can feel the mist, right? It's not just cold and damp. There's a texture to fog. You can sort of feel the water droplets very fine on your skin. So in the fog like that, where's your inside and where's your outside? And if you're not sure of where your inside and where your outside are, and if your skin is as prickly and discontinuous and punctate as the fog where are the spots and this is where that freedom arises i love the fact that you know i don't know whether the chinese is exactly the same as an american english phrase but (laughs) if you're going to change your spots that's freedom right
1: but not enough Yantu <laughs> takes Shan
0: and shoves him over the cliff, bah! A dragon rides the thunder to change its bones.
1: In the story,
0: riding the thunder, the dragon burned up from its own fire, from the lightning that accompanied, that created the thunder, The fire that burned through that forest and all that was left were the bones. Arising
1: and vanishing, whose is it? There's no dragon. There's no fire. There's no water. What is it?
0: And it's not like we move through these stages because heaven forfend that I say that Oh, there's progress and lack of progress. All of us listening to this talk have had little moments of this and that. Are we ever done with our entangling vines? My Tuesday finding out that the schedule was different. It was nothing but entangling vines. This talk, well, fox lair. Um, maybe in a moment of session here and there, there's a sense of, Ooh, I'm a dragon. (laughs) Not often. So we move in and out of these things. It's not orderly, but all the potential is there every moment coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Um, I'm going to finish with the other synchronicity. Um. I've experienced around this talk. Because yesterday I was in Madison Square Park, by chance. I had to get from here to there and went through Madison Square Park. And there's an installation by Maya Lin, um, the artist, sculptor um, uh, called Ghost Forest. And referencing the ghost forests around the world, forests that stand, um, but because let's say there's been too much salt water that's come in, various changes in the environment, all these trees die. And it's a forest, but it's completely dead. And in fact, the Pine Barrens uh, in New Jersey has become, uh, in many parts of it, a, a ghost forest. And so she wanted to bring this into the city. And so what she's done is taken Um, 49 cedars from the Pine Barrens and she has planted them in Madison Square Park, um, just above 23rd Street. And so that's been in my mind since yesterday and then read about Shi Shuang's dead tree hall. And when I saw that this morning, I was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be giving this Dharma talk today. So I want to leave you with there's a dead tree hall up in Madison Square Park. And I saw a lot of people sitting beneath the dead trees. And some of them looked like they were meditating. What is it to meditate in a dead tree hall? And if the world is
1: ceaseless, arising and vanishing, arising and vanishing,
0: can we sit there and make the trees alive?